Hello and welcome back to the Quacked Out Podcast. This is episode 21. I checked this time. Uh, Let's go. I am Charlie Folkstead, joined as always by Reed Tingley. Um, And we got the biggest news in quite a while today. Uh, Not counting National Signing Day, which again was pretty uneventful. That's why we didn't do an episode on it. Um, Pretty much everything we expected to happen happened. But something very unexpected happened this morning, and that was the decommitment. Sorry, not decommitment. <laughs> uh, transfer, sure. straight up, well, the leaving, I guess? Departure. departure. De- there we go. Yeah. Of Tyler Shuck, uh, former starting quarterback of the Oregon Ducks. Um, it is yet to be seen where he goes, but it won't be at Oregon. So this it's safe to say this was totally unexpected for pretty much every angle like i don't think anyone inside the program really expected this i i don't really know how we'd know that but i mean there was zero indication that this was going to happen whatsoever pretty much until it he made the decision it sounds like yeah Um, certainly zero indication for us fans uh in terms of like after after the Fiesta Bowl, Shuck came out and said, you know, he had every intention to stay here and compete. Um, and I guess, you know, through whatever happened in that in those uh, that month since then, uh, he decided to change his mind. Um, decided, you know, that he had a better opportunity elsewhere. And I think, you know, first off, I I do want to say, you know, thank you to Tyler Shuck for coming here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was big in kind of keeping the class together in 2017 when Taggart left, which was a super, you know, scary time to be a Duck fan, definitely. Um, and, you know, he he was our starting quarterback this year, say what you will, but, you know, we won a conference title. Um, he started every game and, you know, he has three years of eligibility left, which, which you know, I think there are plenty of spots where he could do well, so... Good luck to him in that sense. But in, in terms of the Ducks, I think this fixes, you know, what was a really kind of uh, bad timing issue just in the fact, like I said, mm-hmm. you know, he had those three years of eligibility left. And with guys like Ty Thompson and Jay Butterfield in here, it just felt like there's no way he was ever going to be able to play those three years out at Oregon. Yeah, I mean, you touched on some of the names I want to take a quick look at the scholarship chart real quick and remind everybody what's going on. Like Anthony Brown obviously is the name a lot of people will know by now and the name that a lot of people, including myself, kind of assume that this spot might go to. Um, The only guy we've seen take a snap in an Oregon uniform. Exactly, yeah. Um, And for most fans that you've even seen in an Oregon uniform, like a real one, um, not an edited one. Uh, Obviously, (laughs) Ty Thompson is probably the the next favorite to take that spot i ran a twitter poll this morning <clears throat> about basically just asking like who the i mean who your starting quarterback would be if you're a ducks fan um and overwhelmingly it was brown and then the next guy was ty thompson um for those unfamiliar four slash five star quarterback just got him this year uh he's class of 2021 is a true freshman um obviously there might be a lot of issues getting in playing time um when you have jay butterfield and robbie ashford two redshirt freshmen now um who are yeah well, te- well technically not redshirt because of the covid year but have been in oh the so they're covid freshmen 
Okay. Yeah, COVID freshman. Yeah. Um, uh, which sounds worse than it is. Because <laughs> in reality, it just means they're taking advantage of what's been given to them. I mean, same with Brown. You could label him COVID senior, I guess. But yeah. So there's four guys, Brown, Butterfield, Ashford, and Thompson, um, in descending order of seniority. Personally, I kind of said this already, but I think Brown is going to get this spot um, just based on the experience he already has. Again, I I always preface these things with like whoever the coaches deem is most ready for it will play, and that's what I'm okay with. Like if Brown doesn't yeah. get the job, I'm not going to like wallow in sadness because my prediction was wrong. Like I want the best player on the field, and I'm right. not the person to decide that. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, I would predict Brown right now, but I mean, there's a lot of unknowns uh, with this off season, and l- you kind of touched on this. In a way, it makes things easier for the Ducks. I mean, right? Like having Shuck last year as sort of this like pseudo incumbent starter, but like still hasn't really taken meaningful snaps, and you know, Anthony Brown is coming in. A lot of people sort of. People who weren't close to the program were kind of assuming he was going to take that spot. And then others, um, you know, those of us who were paying closer attention realized like, oh, Shuck is definitely going to be the starter. And it seemed like there really wasn't a battle after all. Um, Again, we weren't like there was only one media member there and that was uh, Rob Mosley. So (laughs) we don't really know what happened. But well, that's that's the thing that I think is important here. I think that you know, kind of in rehashing what happened last offseason, I think that fans need to realize that, you know, really, Shuck never actually beat out Anthony Brown for the starting job, mm-hmm. in my mind. there Because there was never actually a real competition that was able to take place over more than, you know, really a month-long fall camp. Yeah. So I think that the job kind of just defaulted to Shuck, you know, in, unless Brown was an absolutely transcendent talent, you know, that you just, you know, Patrick Mahomes showed up, obviously he would have Vernon won the Adams. job, right? But, but you know, <laughs> I mean, outside of that, I think Shuck had to have the job just because of his huge, you know, advantage in terms of experience in the program. Um, and then what we saw was Brown basically play catch-up throughout the whole year. And by the end of the year, the sense was, these guys are pretty neck and neck. And I think that this decision kind of shows that, you know, ultimately Shuck didn't feel that confident that it was his job to hang on to. Um, maybe not his job to hang on to this year. And and definitely it seems like potentially not his job to hang, out, hang on to, you know, after this year with the young talent coming in that has that kind of high upside. Um, and, so for, I mean, that's the thing is we don't really know why – Shuck decommitted. I mean, he didn't give any like concrete reasons as to why right. he's. I keep saying decommitted to why he's transferring. <laughs> um, but I mean, certainly the the presence of a guy like Ty Thompson. I mean, maybe he just kind of saw pulled. Some people are saying he like pulled a Darren Thomas, like who saw the writing on the wall with Mariota, realized he was a transcendent talent, and like kind of got right. out of the program beforehand. Yeah, and I think this. I've heard that you know thing a lot thrown around on Twitter today. I think, you know, it's a little different because obviously Mariota spent a whole year in the program and Thomas Mm -hmm. saw him and, you know, tearing up practice squads, you know, every day for for an entire year and kind of saw that he 
Thomas, Darren Thomas really had this information that the fans didn't. And so because of that, his decision was kind of a clue to us that, oh, wow, Mariota really is special. Whereas I don't think Shuck had that type of information on Thompson because Thompson's only been there for a month. You know, Shuck's decision would really be based on the same reputation of Thompson as a prospect that we all know. Mm-hmm. What he what he did have unique information about, though, is is Brown and Butterfield. Those are guys that he did compete with in practice. So I think it, it in some ways, might say more about the two of them being, you know, mm-hmm. guys that Shuck evaluated and said, maybe I can't hold on to my starting spot over these two. Um, and but but I mean, then again, you know, it, it, these are kids who are you know twenty years old. I mean, the same age that we are, yeah. really. But um, <laughs> but you know, it, the thing is, the, the decision can be made for so many reasons. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. you know, maybe he just was like. I don't really like Eugene. Like, who hey, knows? Hey, fair, man. Right <laughs> now, I'm going to say this right now, Eugene is the worst place to be in this entire state. <laughs> the entire state is getting snow, and I'm sitting out here watching, like, light rain fall, making everything yeah. wet. Like, That's hey, fair. man. I mean, Eugene during COVID times is not exactly a fun place. Like, I- I'm going to yeah. be honest about that. Um, granted, not many other places are either, but I mean, yeah, there are a multitude of factors that could be at play here. I mean, right, and and we probably won't ever hear you know Shuck say you know this was why I did it or mm-hmm. or you know exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, just kind of going back to like you know what was it like for me just having that pop up on my phone this morning and like seeing that what was my instant takeaway. Like I was. I was pretty juiced, honestly, as, <laughs> as someone who's, I mean, just like, just to be honest, like instant reaction is kind of like, this clears a lot of things up as, cause I'm yeah. someone who's, I like love roster management and like clean, efficient, like allocation of our, of our scholarships mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Like that's just something that gets me excited. And like, this is that, like, it just makes the situation so much more clean now. Because I think, you know, either Anthony Brown steps up and he is kind of a, a Vernon Adams-esque talent who can take over for a year. And then if he's not, we just can pull the plug pretty cleanly. And it's, you know, either it's Thompson or it's Butterfield. Um, and we just get to go into developmental mode. And we at least know 100% that come around to 2022, we're going to have like this awesome battle-tested uh, quarterback. It's either, mm-hmm. you know, Butterfield and Thompson are going to be measuring each other against, you know, our, each other for that year going into it, or, or maybe it'll be decided this spring. But the fact that we know we're going to see that is is really great because, you know, I was worried about what if this is just a slow march where, you know, Shuck just stays around, he keeps going, you know, keeps holding on to the job kind of like this off season where it just mm-hmm. felt like we were kind of like, Oh, is he going to keep it? Uh, we're not like that excited about it, but <laughs> we think he could be good. And, and there was reason so we might as well hype him good. up and overhype. Yeah. Him. <laughs> but it, you know, just like, I think, you know, I just don't want to see this thing where, you know, we go with the safe option when really all that that meant was we went with the known option, the one, yeah where we had it, you know, we at least had seen the product, but it, and that, that wasn't even really that known. 
Yeah, right, <laughs> right. I mean, my um, again, we had a new offensive coordinator this year. Like, right. And you were talking about they only had a month during fall camp to figure out who's playing quarterback. You got to figure out like the playbook too. I mean, you got to figure yeah. out a whole new offense. Like, right. of course, there's going to be a rush decision as to who's starting quarterback. Like, you need to start practicing your new offense as soon as possible. Yeah. But yeah, yeah totally. I mean, I agree with you. We talked about this a tiny bit on the phone earlier, but I mean, for me, like my instant reaction to hearing it at first, it was like, oh shit, like what's wrong with our program? And then it kind of instantly changed for me to like, oh, you know what? Like this kind of does clear things up a little bit like this. I mean, really the first thought I had was Ty Thompson. Like, right. I mean, yeah, I know Brown's still around and he might be the the best guy to get his wins right now and i'm totally fine with that but i mean ty thompson is now like um uh, his break, door is open breaking news i um i dm'd uh paid about the situation oh yeah josh Pate. he just replied 23 seconds ago oh shit. i liked i like thompson by mid-year oh okay this you heard it from the godfather of college football podcast himself Maybe, Josh Pate. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Godfather. A regular, a regular figure of the podcast, even though. Yeah, not literally, but in, 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 our, in our minds he is. Honestly, like one of the biggest inspirations too, by the way. But anyways. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I, uh, I mean, now that he said it, it's easier for me to agree. Like, I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't play Ty Thompson if anything like okay let me rehash that sentence if anything goes wrong like actually wrong i'm not talking about losing to ohio state wrong i'm talking about like losing a conference game or two losing two conference games wrong i want to see ty thompson in i don't care how much it has to do with brown i don't care how much it has to do with this position group or the other like i'm and i'm not i'm not always the biggest play the kids guy but like if it's if it's your quarterback and if it's in this next upcoming season, like we need a stable quarterback as soon as possible. Yeah. I'm yeah. okay with that being Brown. I'm okay with that being Thompson. Again, though, if it's Brown, it's for one year. If it's Thompson, hopefully it's for three. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm just so excited. Like I'm so excited for the spring competition. Mm-hmm. And like another thing, you know, I wonder like just kind of, spitting off the top of my head like if ty thompson wins this job like could that start kind of this youth movement in general kind of in this in the program because you know you think about like shuck had this bond with johnny johnson from arizona and and i'm sure kind of likewise with some of that old older guard of our receivers what you know what is it like if thompson comes in you know who does he have chemistry with maybe it's it's kind of these guys from this class and maybe he's able to kind of pull up a Troy Franklin or a Dante Thornton into that starting lineup with him or a regular rotation, you know, based mm-hmm. on like, let's say he starts the beginning of the year, second string with those guys or starts in, I mean, I'm sure at least, you know, in this spring camp, he's going to start taking his reps with a lot of those guys early on. And so, you know, it could be a thing where if he, if he elevates himself over the time, maybe he kind of pulls those guys with him and we start to see this kind of youth movement early on of this 21 class that we're all so excited about rather than kind of holding this back as another year where we have, you know, those same faces that 
have done a lot for us, but who, you know, we kind of feel like, you know, aren't going to be the guys who get us over the final hump to, you know, winning a, a national title or, or whatever it is. So that's kind of something I'm, I'm thinking about too. Damn, the, the, the recruiting analyst's pipe dream right there. <laughs> <laughs> play, play all true freshmen. I mean, here's the thing. Like, we have, I mean, we can speculate about which, who from the 21 class might get on the field first or whatever. Um, I think there's there's definitely some spots at safety or like corner even. I mean, DJ James is right now kind of penciled in as that uh, number two corner behind Mikhail Wright. Right. Um, I think that'll be a spot to keep an eye on. Like there's so many, it, like this, the COVID year plus just the general like place we are as a transitioning program has made it super interesting because as you said we have kind of this old guard of like whether it's like three-star guys like uh like samson new new or like i mean i i the analogy i always go back to even though it was from a couple years ago was like gus cumberlander starting over kt right right you just kind of had to wait a little bit for that like I mean, obviously his terrible injury is what basically gave KT that starting spot that he ends up thriving right. in. But it's sort of like, okay, at what point are we going to like ba- sort of balance out this roster a little more in terms of snaps um, to get the young guys sort of ushered in? Um, yeah. Because this is really, I mean, obviously it's it's the highest rated recruiting class we've ever had. Um, I mean, there's... There's a lot of reasons to get these guys on the field as soon as possible. But again, it is college football. Like experience does mean something. I mean, yes, no matter how much we love Sean Dollars, like I certainly still trust CJ Verdell to carry the ball better than he, he to carry the ball better than him at this point. Um, right. I I mean, having tra- saying that about Travis Dyes, I mean, I feel slightly less confident, but still like I mean, you want guys out there who can give you the best chance to win now. Because, I mean, again, we have the talent to win now. I mean, this is something we well, talked about yeah, a lot I, last year. Yeah, I think that's that's like another conversation we need to have is, you know, what is what when are we going to transition as a fan base? I mean, and really as a program, you know, like into this win now, our title mode kind of, our title window has opened up. And, and mm-hmm. for me, you know, two things I look at it are – uh, I mean, really, you know, Joe Moorhead is here this year and he might not be here after this year. Yep. You know, he's got we're we're living year by year with him and he is an elite, elite offensive mind. So, you know, if it's not if it's not now, then when is it going to be in terms of of that question? And then the other thing is Kayvon Thibodeau. Like we all sat there and watched Kayvon Thibodeau, the number one player in the country, commit to Oregon mm-hmm. and you know, the clock is ticking in terms of this is the last year that we have that elite, elite edge rusher that is an absolute key component of a successful football team on on the team mm-hmm. of that level. And, you know, that player probably of like quite like Kayvon isn't going to walk in the door again very soon. And, and I mean, same with, you know, like Mikhail Wright as a cornerback. He's probably gone after this year. So, you know, a lot of those yep. young guys – that we were first kind of sold on with Cristobal. Some of those first classes are, you know, about to head out the door. And so 
I think, you know, this is a year that I hope that we at least can transition ourselves into that mindset where we are like fo very focused on kind of giving it our best shot and trying to, you know, take a swing at things really, as opposed to being, you know, kind of developmentally minded. But at the same time, you know, I, I kind of am talking out both sides of my mouth because I'm also so excited for the development of this 21 class. And I have, you know, a belief that those are the people who might actually uh, end up, you know, making it all the way. So it's kind of a balancing act between those two things. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's one thing if we keep stacking up crazy recruiting class after recruiting class, but like, there's a whole litany of examples from across the nation of teams that will just accumulate all this talent in the world and then not be able to put it together on the field. Now, right. I'm not necessarily saying that's because of this issue that we're talking about, but like, I, I'm still very much in the, like, it's hard sometimes when we're this zoomed in on a program, especially in recruiting, it's hard to take a step back and go like, okay, we can't keep throwing away games. Like we don't, yeah. We're still we still lost to Cal and Oregon State last year. Right. Those are two of the worst teams in in the north, but like you could argue the conference. Um like we we don't have room for that anymore. There's no yeah. more excuses after this season. Like the we have the talent now. Last year there we can throw a whole bunch of excuses at it. Like sure. There there were a lot of reasons why we lost those games and I still think very few of them have to do with the guy at the top, Mario Cristobal. Right. Yeah. Additionally, and, and it, for any of those haters out there, Mario still, who do exist, I had someone argue with me the other day about this. Like, they were like, oh, great, number six recruiting class, cool. Like, now we just need a coach. It's like, dude, we, the, the coach is <laughs> why we have the recruiting class. But I mean, there's a reason Auburn was going after him. Like, are we right. just going to ignore... How long are we going to ignore that fact for? Like, Auburn, Auburn, the, the team that has to compete with LSU, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, like, all you know, the entire SEC every year. Like, that team wanted Mario Cristobal. They don't mess around. Right. They were gunning yeah. for him hard. Right. Like, they, they know what they're talking about. We have one of the hottest names in the country right now, and I feel like we don't talk about that enough. Because he will, like, presumably move on at some point. Yes, we just locked him up with Maybe. an extension. Maybe he will. I, that, I... Okay, I can, put a, I can put a cork in that one for a little bit. But, <laughs> but I mean, we still need to... I was right about it the last time, was I not? We need, <laughs> we need to win now. I'm tired of excuses. Win now. Put whoever's best prepared on the field... I mean, there. It's one thing when you have guys like uh, like Justin Flo not getting time because he like won't commit to what his defensive coordinator wants him to do. But it's different when you got. I mean, like like you can't hold out Noah Sewell. Who's the next K? Who's the next KT that isn't getting playing time right now? And obviously KT is different because he was like the number one overall recruit. But like, who are the? I mean, is Dante Manning that? Again, we yeah. know less about this team than any team in a while just because of right. the lack of access that, I mean, the media in general has had. I mean, not that we're, not that we would necessarily be there, but I mean, it's, it's people, secondary sources that we learn from. Like literally right. the only practice reports we get are from 
like mostly. Godux. Yeah, at yeah mostly. From mostly from who, inside who the program. The, yeah, who love mostly, but I mean, he works for the team, so yeah. it's a little bit of a you know, like I mean, he like doesn't tell you like he like he famously will like say like oh this guy like th- this guy like got an interception and yeah, not say like it. the quarterback yeah. threw it. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like um yeah you know but but yeah i think that um i think that's that's true definitely we you know will learn a lot this season and those some of those young guys like you said i mean like flo and manning were out out because of injury and i think you know that probably happened in part because we had such a weird off season where people weren't able to do full strength and conditioning and everything and you know even like guys like funa who had a down year like will he you know um excel again once we have the full strength and conditioning and and you know who's going to step up at the other corner spot who's going to step up at safety Mm -hmm. um these are you know a lot of questions that we have will will our offensive line be reshuffled at all from last year when it was pretty good but not not elite um certainly didn't have anyone who looked like uh Penny Sewell, and obviously that's, you know, like a ridiculous bar, but not even anyone who looked, you know, close to that. Not anyone who really looked mm-hmm. like a future top uh, round NFL pick necessarily. So I think, you know, um, and and we recruited some of those guys. So maybe those guys start to get shuffled in and, and we kind of just are kind of at that point where I think that we do need to, what I would say is like, Yes, we need to develop these people and that's these these you know young twenty one guys and that's really important. But we also can't like the first year that we go that we tell everyone like, okay, we're going for a national title can't be their senior year or their junior year. Yeah. Because, you know, the first time you do it, there's gonna be a certain like level of um, you know, trial and error that that takes place. And, you know, obviously it's not as simple as like the coach, you know, goes in at the start of fall camp and tells you like what your season goal is necessarily. But I think that there is a feeling amongst the program about, you know, what you're trying to accomplish in a given year. Uh, And so I think, you know, just starting to really set that expectation in the program and also amongst the fan base is something that's, uh, you know, going to be kind of exciting to do in these next few years and kind of, kind of actually to get back to that point that, you know, we felt a lot of times when, when both of us kind of um, were, you know, when, as all of us remember in the early 2010s, when it really felt like for that five-year stretch or, or seven-year stretch or whatever, like, you know, every single year, like, let's make a run at this. Like, we can do mm-hmm. this. Um, it I hasn't agree. quite felt like that since, and, and I think we're trying to get to that point. Yeah, and I mean, it's... <clears throat> Let's finish up on Shuck real quick. I mean, first of all, people have hypothesized where he might go. Um, maybe Boise State being like the main thing or UNLV because of obviously the Arroyo connection. Um, yeah. Obviously, Cyrus Abibilikio is already at Boise State. He's already dyed his hair blue. He's already with uh, Andy Avalos. Um, honestly, I, I don't like this sounds bad, but I don't really care where he goes. Like I... Yeah, obviously I if I had to like have a preference for anything, maybe just outside the pac 12, um, yeah. just for like revenge purposes. But I wish him the best wherever he goes. Um, 
you know, maybe he's a guy like Braxton Burmeister who goes all the way across the country to like Virginia Tech, right? I think that's where yeah. he was. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows? What I really want to get to to finish off on Shuck is the national perception of what this means for the program. Um, my whole thing is my, my big takeaway from this is that I really don't care what, I mean, I usually don't care what like the comment sections say about this. Um, I really don't care with this because anyone who, anyone who just says, Oh my God, Oregon's starting quarterback just entered the transfer portal, like what's going on in Oregon, doesn't know what they're talking about. And we, right. we know that. We don't have to respond to that. Um, but it's more so about like maybe is this a place – I mean may, who knows? Maybe some future recruits are looking at this like, wow, is this really a place where I can develop into the best quarterback I can be? Is this you know a place where my talent – you know, might get wasted a little bit. Granted, I think those concerns are completely irrelevant based on the coaching changes we've had, based on hopefully, the half uh, season that we Herbert's played last year. offsetting them a little in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there are plenty of reasons not to agree with those foolish types of statements. But, I mean, you know, the they are, you know, recruits are kids and things like that. As we're about to discuss, recruits' parents can sometimes even be more erratic <laughs> than their kids. So, I mean... Generally speaking, from an industry-wide standpoint, this doesn't, like, I'm not concerned about Oregon's perception um, from people. Maybe some concern from a recruiting standpoint, but honestly, I don't think so. Yeah, no, I think, I think, um, I think we're in a good spot. I think, you know, there are going to be a lot of kind of bad takes that probably come out about this quarterback situation. People who are kind of confused because they just don't have the luxury of following this program and the ins and outs of it, you know, every, uh, every 30 minutes like we do. <laughs> so um, I think that's interesting. But I do still think, you know, I mean, I think, you know, the, the Oregon brand means something to the point that I think, you know, one, I think will still be ranked fairly highly in the, um, in the preseason polls. I think also, you know, whether people uh, admit it or not, like, the fact that we play Ohio State week two, people are going to want us to be like a top 15 team when we play them. Mm-hmm. Like It doesn't even matter about any, like they're just going to want us to be a top 15 team and we'll probably be voted as such just because people are like amped up for that matchup. Kind of like it was with like Auburn and us in 2019. Like I don't, I think that both those, both of those teams were uh, kind of overrated for that game too, because mm-hmm. it was like the marquee matchup. Um, also, one thing that came out was the uh, the SMP Plus released like their data, which is a which is kind of like based on returning production and and predict predictions for what you know the teams will look like next season. The Ducks came in at number five, which was a pretty pretty major um, statement for us. That kind of I think is above what anyone in the fan base probably or or really anyone else I've seen would have ranked us. Mm-hmm. for the preseason next year. And I mean, there's, so I listened to uh, Split Zone Duos, a great podcast. Um, you should check it out if you're just general, looking for some general college football content. They had Bill Connolly on uh, this week and he was just talking about his ratings. I mean, I'm not going to put too, like, yes, it's great that we're rated high. I'm not putting a lot of stock in this. Like, 
the COVID year totally messed up a lot of things that he kind of just had to gloss over. They're pretty yeah. similar to the normal rankings, but again, I'm not putting a ton of stock in these rankings in a normal year or after a normal year. So, I mean, we we said it time and time again last season um, that we were the youngest team in the country, and we were. I mean, we were the youngest team in FBS. So that stat alone and the fact that we are returning some guys still, like who could have left, tells me that, I mean, talent-wise, we'll be just fine. Now, just fine does not mean national championship level yet. Um, what it does mean is, and what I think these projections, what these rankings, not projections, are good for, is kind of gauging where we could be. I don't think a number five, in like, I, I don't think it's out of the question to finish next season number five. I'm talking after bowl game, after everything. Yeah. I don't, yeah, that, I think that's totally reasonable. I mean, looking I mean, at this list, I, I think it's reasonable for any team on here. Yeah, that's basically, you know, what that 2019 team did. You know, we probably, a yeah, scenario exactly. like that is we lose to Ohio State, we drop one conference game, and then we uh, maybe win our, our, probably would have to win our New Year's Six Bowl or whatever. Yeah, after winning Pac-12 again. Right, um, right. Which, again, like, see, is totally the standard. But here's the thing. Like, how long are we going to give ourselves that safe standard of, oh, we should be, uh, you know, oh, we should win the Pac-12, and yeah, we might have a couple losses, but we'll win the conference, and we'll go to the Rose Bowl or whatever, New Year's Six Bowl. Like, yeah, that's that's kind of been our, like, realistic and achieved goal for the last two seasons now and it kind of seems like where we're at still for this year at what point do we take that step and say you know what we need to make our we need to put ourselves in that tier one group of yeah definitely because there is because there is still you know a vocal segment of this fan base that will say every year you know what this isn't a playoff team oh this isn't a playoff team this does we don't look like Alabama. We don't look like uh, Clemson, da-da-da. You know, and it's like, okay, but, you know, we could. We're like, yeah, yeah. What, when does, you never, when does, you're like never you going said, to be it, until it happens. When does it get there? Because, I mean, we basically just recruited punch for punch with, you know, not quite Bama and Ohio State, but everyone else in the country we were right there with. Um, and yeah. so, you know, that's, that's kind of – what we're trying to build towards. And I just, you know, I, I understand the people who have followed this program for a long time saying like, don't get spoiled. A Rose bowl is, you know, like the best we could have ever hoped for, for a long, long time. And I understand that all, but you know, at the same time, it's like, Hey, I don't want to be the fan base that always says like, Oh, we're just little old Oregon who can't compete with anyone. Like, no, yeah, we're not going to take that. Like we can compete with them. Mind you, with the what way that... that we're building a program and, and our path in the Pac-12 too is also like very advantageous to make it to a playoff. Yeah. I'm going to take one out of Pate's book and remind everyone what Reed didn't just say. He didn't <laughs> just say that we're Washington, who expects and uh, feels entitled, a sense of entitlement to be one of those top tier programs. We're not we're not necessarily entitled to it, but we truly believe that we being, you know, semi-reasonable people, 
believe that we've put in the work, put in the effort to deserve to be able to take that next step as a team. Like, yeah, that we can. Talent-wise, yeah. Yeah, right. So, I mean, just before, you know, before we get any more weird comments that aren't true. Um, yeah, one last angle on the whole QB room thing uh, is also just because just I know someone's, someone's listening to this somewhere screaming, why didn't you guys talk about Robbie Ashford? <laughs> you know, like, why, why aren't you respecting Robbie Ashford? I, I want Robbie Ashford to be a good quarterback. If yeah. he gets a starting job at some point, that would be great. But I just think we got to be a little realistic because I think people latch on to the fact that he's a dual threat quarterback and are like, that's, you know, we love dual threats. Mariota was a dual threat. Uh, and, you know, kind of go through like Dennis Dixon was a dual threat. That's the Oregon brand. Da, da, da. Like, yeah. yes, but like Robbie Ashford, I mean, there's just, there is a reason why people are, are kind of not factoring him into the starting, uh, you know, competition in the same way. And it's because Jay Butter, I mean, Chris Will went out and said last season, he, he did literally say this in a press conference that Butterfield had secured the third spot behind Shuck and Brown last season. Mm-hmm. So first off, that makes me think Butterfield over Ashford pretty clearly. And, you know, Ashford was a little lower rated. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I think he has some good tools that, you know, I, like I said, I'm absolutely rooting for him. But like, if you watched, I watched him in um, his All-American Bowl performance coming out of high school. I watched that whole game um, that he played, you know, um, a, a decent number of snaps in and it was not like that impressive to be just honest, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, he's not, he is, he is not quite the caliber of tight of a Ty Thompson. I mean, he just isn't the caliber of Ty Thompson at all. Again, we're ready um, to be proven wrong, but at any point by him and no one right, else. Right. And, and I also think, you know, people say like, Oh, I just hope that he gets a chance. Um, it's like, everyone's gonna this is a quarterback competition like everyone is going to get a chance this year with four people like everyone's gonna get a chance if asher doesn't get if asher doesn't do it like it's gonna be on him and like he'll be fine because he's he could like get drafted in the in the mlb so like he Mm -hmm. could be fine either way but i think you know there's a reason like why people say you know anthony brown is the experienced option Butterfield's really talented, has been in the program for a whole time and was actually named the number three option last year. And then Ty Thompson's like the highest rated quarterback we've ever had. So like those three <laughs> guys, you know, kind of deserve to be on us on a bit of an elevated tier in my mind. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm not like rooting for everyone or wouldn't be happy if Ashford got it or whatever. I would be happy to be proven wrong, but yeah, totally. I mean, the last last thing that I'll add on to that is, uh, Reed. Do you know what um, do you know what the Twitter award is for correctly predicting next year's starting quarterback and him being your guy? Do you remember what that is? No. Oh right, there isn't an award. You guys don't get anything. Like you're not special for trying to act like you have a crystal ball and telling us what's going to happen in the quarterback room when we know damn well. You're just sitting here refreshing the same damn websites we are. 
And that's your yeah, only no. source of information. So please do not try to like. I just <laughs> it just pisses me off. It's like no, people pretty, last year were acting like like trying to proclaim Tyler Shuck as the son of God when they haven't even seen him play yet. It's like you guys, you're not gonna get brownie points for fucking predicting this stuff. <laughs> that's pretty odd. Like, like let's be honest. Like we kind of know what's gonna happen. Like if we really had to guess or put money on it. I mean, I would probably say Brown's a starter day one. Ty Thompson comes in sometime in the middle of the year and takes over the starting stop spot. If that happens, I'm not going to go around asking for my gold star from people. Like, nobody cares, uh, man. Yeah. Just let what happens happen. Well, we can speculate uh, and we can give you our take on it, and we will, but, like, those are takes. They're not, like... I don't know, man. Twitter, Twitter's been pissing me off lately. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I agree. And I also think it's kind of like people saying like, oh, yeah, I knew Shuck was going to transfer. It's like, dude, like. <laughs> no, you I didn't. Mean, we, like, we all knew it was like a situation. But, like, people in the program didn't know he was going to transfer a month ago. Yeah. You know, so like, like unless you have literal money on this on some sort of betting site, which I don't know what kind of weird betting site has like transfer destinations for uh current players, but anyways, like that's like good go go give your opinion there. Well, where they'll actually pay you for it. Like we can give you guys a speculation of who is going to get the starting spot based on what we've seen and we can provide analysis and facts for you about why one guy might get the job over the other. But simply stating like, oh, yup, this is our guy now. Like, let's put all my eggs in this basket. And oh, you guys can all watch when I'm right. And the, that depth chart comes out. It's like, cool, dude. You're, you're, you must be really, really fun. <laughs> okay, let's, let's move on. Um, I talked about crazy people this entire time. And uh, I think we really got to give it to uh, the father of one, one Henry Toe Toe. Uh, I'm trying to find his name. ESA, I think, is how you say it. Man, I just, I love college football. And it's not just for the the pageantry and the spectacle and the tradition and all that crap. Um, I love it because we it just brings out the absolute, like, funniest people in the country. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this man, this man, Mr. Toho Toho. Now, like... I don't care if he publicly roasts me. Like, that'll probably just get us a few more listens. That's fine. Dude, what are you doing, man? Like, you're basically just asking Bama to take in Henry Tootoo. Now, for those who haven't been keeping up, uh, this was Tennessee's starting inside linebacker last year. He's a tremendous talent. Um, Maybe their best defensive player, probably. Last yeah, year. was he was like an all freshman All-American, I'm pretty sure. Um, Top 50 player out of high school. Just absolute stud, any way you slice it. Uh, he's transferring out of Tennessee. Um, there's a lot of crap going on at Tennessee that we won't get into, like money in McDonald's bags and shit. Like, it's bad. Bunch of players, a <laughs> bunch of guys are jumping ship. Um, and this, so Henry's been very involved with a few programs around the country. Of course, notable ones like, you know, your Ohio State, Michigan, Bama, uh, Oregon. He's, his dad has said, quote, every school in the SEC, um, <laughs> USC. Like, he can go anywhere he wants in the country, yeah. pretty much. Right. Which is why I really, really don't understand why this man, Iesa Toto, is 
coming out and giving these quotes to uh, to two four seven about how his son. Basically, the article just says like his son's going to Bama. He wants. He very clearly wants his son at Alabama. Now, yeah, the the, the little the literal um, title of it is Alabama the favorite for Henry Toto with a question mark. I would argue the question mark not necessary. That's out of pocket. Yeah. Let, let me read a <laughs> quote from this article, which again is great, by the way. Uh, it's by Hank South on Bama Online. It's their 247 affiliate. Go check it out if you haven't read it yet. But I'm going to read you this quote from the middle of it. <laughs> this is from Henry's father. Quote, all the other SEC schools reached out to him too. But one thing we talked about was that we chose Tennessee the first time when he should have come to Alabama. So let's not make this mistake twice. How, how, like, just not even trying to hide his, like, to hide his cards here. I mean, he is just blatantly going, I want my son at Alabama. Quote, I got a lot more respect for Coach Saban now. He's a man of his word. He's true to the, like, d- great, great, uh, cool. I mean, can't, basically, can't blame anyone for going to Alabama. No, no, I, I'm totally fine if he goes to Alabama. I'm totally fine if he goes to anywhere but USC, and I'm really fine if he goes to Oregon. But <laughs> just like this type of publicity stunt shit is like so. I mean, this is the pin. This is peak college football offseason right here. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get any ju- any better than this. I was gonna say juicier, but it's not even that juicy. It's just like funny. Like that that's what I got with Toto. Like like you we've said multiple times, he's great talent. I want him at Oregon. Um people have spec I mean, that quote uh from Mario in his signing day press conference about saving a spot for a special talent. We we've speculated that it might be Henry or it's probably either Henry or JTT. Um yeah. that's which we'll get into in a few minutes. But like, do you do you see any reason why this man would say such outlandish things or not even that they're not even that outlandish why he would say anything other than publicity which i don't even know if you well i think you know the funny thing is um if you go back a few years to the initial recruitment of henry toto uh it was actually kind of a similar situation but the west coast school that uh you know the dad was basically i don't think he did an interview with like this but the you know, at least behind closed doors, the dad was, you know, dunking on and trying to take his, you know, persuade his son away from was actually UW. Um, and I think, you know, it's been a long held conspiracy theory amongst the, the Huskies up north that basically, uh, you know, Henry always wanted to go to Washington, um, but his dad wanted him to go to Tennessee. And you know, of course, in classic Husky fashion, <laughs> he only ended up going to Tennessee because, you know, he got money to go there, which, you know, given the McDonald's bag story, uh, maybe isn't as outlandish as it initially sounded. Yeah, which is true. Um, That's true, by the way. I didn't make that up. I wish no, I had. But. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, I think his dad wants him in the SEC for whatever reason. I honestly think, you know, given what we kind of heard in, in some of the rumblings, um, you know, that Oregon felt pretty good about um, getting Henry Toto makes me think like, well, he must have said something to Oregon that made us think that he 
um, you know, wanted to be here. And, you know, anything that he could have said uh, about that is pretty contradictory to his dad's quote uh, <laughs> that was, there's a rumor going around that Henry is coming back to the West Coast. That's a nay. That's not <laughs> going to happen. I want my son to be in a competitive league. At this point right now, the Pac-12 has fallen off the last few years. They're not the old Pac-12. Him coming to USC, no. Him going to Oregon, that's highly unlikely. But if everything failed, that might be an option. <laughs> well, so, my que- <laughs> I have two questions for this man. One, what is the old Pac-12? And how is it somehow like... Like making the playoff and losing in it is that the old Pac-12? Because I mean, before well, that the was the Pac-10. Pac-12. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that was it. Like, yeah, the Pac-12 or the Pac-10. I mean, the Pac-10 has a pretty good and, and a, a solid history. Yeah. Yeah. Know, USC, when when USC we were, was really good, and then Oregon was was really yeah good in, the 2000s, in the 2000s, the early 2010s. It, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I mean, okay. Like the last few years, apparently we've fallen off. Like if I mean, yeah, it's probably gotten worse. But well, I mean, well, I mean, I also just think like the the Henry Toto is so talented. Like he's going to the league no matter what. Like, but yeah, yeah I, but I mean, like yes, you can go to go to Bama, and the, and he'll definitely definitely go to the league if he goes to Bama. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. It's, it was a weird interview, definitely. I mean, one thing was like, for me, was just, you know, this is a bad sign as a conference, like, yeah, that our leadership has failed us that, you know, we actually have it coming out of the mouth of a, you know, top talents, uh, parent, you know, that he doesn't want to come to Oregon. It makes the because, national perception pretty explicit. Yeah. But, but at the same time, it also like, you know, I mean, you can say that, but then, you know, it's also like. What are we going to wipe one kind of uh, odd, uh, you know, parent of our recruit versus the fact, you know, we do have the number six recruiting class in the country. So we're doing all right in that regard. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, like, USC just posted another great recruiting class. Like, Oregon and USC mm -hmm. are both kind of on the up and up. Mm -hmm. The Pac-12 is attempting to fix its leadership problems firsthand. I mean, like, not firsthand, but, like, overtly you know um so i i mean i don't i don't really think this this like changes anything for me um other than that he's gonna go to bama probably (laughs) yeah right i mean the thing is it was it was always kind of i mean it always literally was a one-year rental so you know in that regard like you know we're gonna see some more noah sewell we're gonna see some more flow isaac slade's still in there so like We'll be all right at mm-hmm. linebacker, Funa, Ajax, you know, whatever Deruder kind of decides to move people around. Um, so it, you know, obviously, I mean, you never. It, it, I'm certainly not trying to say, you know, we didn't want him anyway. That kind of classic line. I definitely want him. Like, definitely would make my week if Henry Toto committed to work and absolutely. Oh, it would make my month. Yeah, totally. And it's my but, birthday month. <laughs> But oh. crippling blow that we'll never be able to recover from. Yeah, I agree. Um, I forgot what my second question was for this guy. Oh, what was it? Uh, well, I forgot. Or, or you forgot it. it. Um, 
Oh, um, yeah. Do you want to find it, or should we move on? Oh, I mean, like, oh, my second question was he talks about uh, him going to Oregon. That's highly unlikely, but if everything failed, that might be an option. What What does everything failing look like? Is that just oh, like Saban means... saying no? <laughs> no, no, no. There's a rule in the SEC that right now you can't get immediate eligibility if you transfer within the conference. Oh, I see. Okay. So if that happened and he had to sit out, then he would go to probably Ohio State or Oregon. Or Texas. Or Texas, right, right. Um, sweet. Yeah, that's all I got about Henry. Um, I mean, overall, I don't know if you want to get any, into any 22 stuff, but we don't really know enough about what's going on there yet i don't think um yeah basically i think yeah like we don't really have to get that much into it it sounds like trajan williams the safety out of jefferson we were like able to demos let's go uh except uh, yeah sure wait you know you you can't say that (laughs) well (laughs) well they're they're kind of rivals with uh, yeah with my alma mater so Grand Generals, let's go. I thought you went um, to Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, so yeah, so Trajan Williams, the safety, able to recruit him now because of a change in NCAA rules after we had Don Johnson, um, his old high school coach, on staff. So anyways, so he seems like everything's kind of trending, like this guy's going to end up a duck, which is an awesome thing. We need help at safety, so that's cool. In general, 2022 is looking good. There's a lot of good talent in the Pacific Northwest at, at wide receiver and at O-line especially. So I think we'll be able to shake out a good class uh, kind of um, on the West Coast and then you know be able to supplement like we normally do with a few big national gets. Um, so you know everything's kind of shaking out well, and, and really that's – you know, as, as people kind of are thinking about like this 21 class is kind of a core class, you just want to kind of surround that with, uh, you know, a lot of talent on the edges and, and kind of fill it out um, and we'll be in a good spot. So, you know, but it's it's kind of tough to really see what is going to happen yet. Um, and I think especially, you know, the COVID and COVID restrictions in terms of getting recruits on campus has in some ways affected this 2022 class even more oh, than totally. it did the 2021 class because so much happens during uh, recruits junior year, you know, is kind of when they start really picking up offers and narrowing down their list and doing preliminary visits and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't been able to happen. So I think we'll see how that is. It might be a little smaller class. Um, So that's, that's something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the only thing I wanted to say is it might appear a little underwhelming, but in reality it's just because like of roster spots. Right. Yeah. Um, I also kind of put a, a thread uh, together on uh, JTT, who's obviously the you know biggest fish left out there. Um, in I, the 21 I th- class. Yeah, in the 2021 class, exactly. Um, he should decide like in April or, or maybe later because people are saying now that he's going to sign a um, financial aid agreement as opposed to a letter of intent a le- yeah a letter of intent so it's not binding until he like actually steps foot in like a classroom basically so um so we could just be on jtt flip watch like 
forever. I mean, um, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing is like every day I'm kind of, that's kind of the one thing I like, usually when I'm like going through my phone with all the notifications and stuff, I'm like, you know, just not really expecting to see things. I'm looking for the name JTT. Like every day I get up, like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for stuff. I mean, you, you and me both. Yeah. You and me both. And we're going to, like um, you said, we're going to be on that watch for a while. Yeah. So I put out a, a thread that you can go read just on my Twitter, um, which I assume all of you know. Uh, MF read. MF underscore read. Yeah. It was on February 6th. Um, yeah. So you can scroll back and look at that. But I basically said, um, maybe I'll, I'll pin it actually so people can see. Um, it basically said like, you know, there's kind of these two camps that have broken out, out on like what our chances are with JTT. There's kind of like the rivals guys. And obviously J hop has been the loudest person beating the drum saying like Oregon has a chance with JTT. Um, he like kind of wants to stay out West maybe. And Oregon is like a really legitimate option. And then there's the other side, which is led by like Brandon Huffman and the 247 guys, Brandon Huffman is a lead expert there, kind of in the Pacific Northwest region. He's the only person who's gotten an interview with JTT. He's basically said uh, he thinks it's either Ohio State or Alabama. And he's consistently kind of preached that JTT is, you know, his big focus is like getting developed for the NFL. And so my question kind of, um, or part of what I posed was like, well, the question is, you know, is, is, Brandon Hoffman saying that JTT is going to go to Alabama or Ohio State um, because Brandon Huffman thinks that those are the best places to get developed and go to the NFL mm-hmm. or because he's heard JTT say that those are the best places for him to get developed and go to the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, there's an argument that Oregon can make that they can do those things, maybe not quite at that elite level, but at a level that, you know, is compelling enough for JTT to come here and and that's kind of based on while we have Armstead and Buckner in the league who kind of show that you can do it from Oregon and then we've got Kayvon Thibodeau who's going to be a high first round draft pick Um, and a lot of you know the guys we picked up whether it's Dorless or Christian Williams have you know outperformed their recruiting rankings so far and and been developed pretty well Um, and so you know you can go check out my Twitter if you want to read more about that. Um, but basically, we're still a ways away from the JTT decision. Uh, and, you know, no one no one really knows what's going to happen. A decision hasn't been made. It still kind of looks like Ohio State, Alabama, Oregon. And depending how you ask, depending who you ask, those can be kind of shuffled around. Um, but, yeah, we're just kind of waiting on that. And obviously, that would be, you know, kind of, somehow change the entire complexion of this already awesome uh 2021 class so that'd be really uh is something to watch um another thing we got asked was uh some 22 players were excited about um uh, we kind of touched on this a little bit i mean it would be great to just get as many pieces as possible as a basis but like I mean, personally, Amarian Winston is a name I've been saying for a while. Um, for mm-hmm. those who don't know, he's the third Winston brother to come out of Central Catholic. His brother Lamar played at Oregon. His brother Elijah, um, who committed two years. Yeah, well, 
yeah, okay, I, he's the same age as me. Um, yeah. <laughs> a couple years ago, uh, flipped to USC from Oregon at the last minute. Um, yeah. Basically, just citing LA is cooler than Eugene, which like, hey, yeah, and I think that really was the Tiger year too. Yeah, um, and now Amarian is the third of those brothers. They've all been linebackers, and I might. This might be the only time where I actually have insider info. Both brothers have said that he will be like the stud out of all three of them. So just do with that information what you will. He's, I mean, he's not going to get like, his name might not get a ton of clicks just because like he's a like kind of middle four star. Like he's not super highly rated. Um, But let me tell you, I mean, this guy is legit. Um, And he's also been committed like forever already. So uh, again, he might not like appear in many headlines, but he's, he's legit. That's a guy I'm looking forward to personally. Um, I mean, it's tough to say about like guys I'm looking forward to because we only have three commitments right now. Uh, Winston Halton and uh, the other name is escaping. my Oh, dollars from Oklahoma, the tight end. I mean, all three of them <laughs> I'm excited about, but that's really yeah. because like, those are the only guys I've really put a lot of effort into looking at. Um, yeah, I think for- AJ Duffy would be really cool, but he's, pro style quarterback but i don't think we're gonna get him i think he's going arizona state so yeah that's that's one thing i want to say is is kind of a new development too and and also relating to the shock news today is is there's been two um two things that have come out about um uh about quarterback um targets for the 2022 class for Oregon. So like you said, AJ Duffy has had a lot of crystal balls go to Arizona state recently. That seems like it's pretty much locked in. Um, and then on the other side, uh, Malik Murphy is, is really the biggest name that we're chasing. He's a five star, um, early on in kind of that rankings process, um, out of California. And he's a guy who, who really has been on the Oregon radar for a few years now. Um, he had a, a prediction put into him um, for him to go to Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically, it's, it was kind of a tentative prediction, basically citing, you know, his connection with Steve Sarkeesian. Um, but it was also, uh, you know, a reasonably high confidence number, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, and basically kind of just, just saying, you know, he's, uh, Malik Murphy's close with Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian kind of is looking for that next Texas quarterback to build his dynasty there and is really heavily targeting Malik Murphy. Um, so that would be a big get for Texas and, and a, you know, a loss for Oregon. And, and the question there becomes, is Oregon still going to even pursue a quarterback in the 2022 class? Cause as we mentioned, spots are a bit limited. Um, you know, so so is it worth it to take a quarterback when you have when you have Ty Thompson already in there, um, and you have Jay Butterfield already in the program? Um, so I think that's an interesting question uh, that you know maybe we'll get some clarity on going forward. Uh, and then in terms of guys, I'm I'm excited about. Um, I would say like um, I mean, there's two uh, really elite safeties, uh, Zion Branch and Keon Sab. Uh, who are targets. Um, they're both like borderline five-star guys. So 
I mean, just because we need a safety so bad, um, that would be like really exciting. I think there's kind of a trio of West Coast um, O linemen, which are uh, Josh Carnerly, Ernest Green, and uh, Malik Agbo. And, you know, in terms of, you know, I mean, that's just kind of like uh, two of those guys are from Washington. That's kind of like Cristobal's, you know, bread and butter is obviously the O-line. Having those solid prospects on the West Coast, if we could clean up with those three, that would be really um, intriguing, I think, you know, just because that's a position you want to reload every single year. You don't really want to miss there. Yeah, um, and, and I mean, sorry, go ahead, finish up. Yeah, and then the last thing was was Clemens and uh, Tobias Merriweather are two kind of local wide receivers who I think we have a good chance at. Uh, they're both like basically from Oregon. Um, so so I think those are two guys to, to look at who are near and who there's been kind of mixed reports on whether they want to stay close to home or leave, but they would be good additions, definitely. And yeah. Uh, I had like a whole spiel I was kind of thinking of, but long story short is like, we still don't know. I mean, it's, it's too yeah. early to call even who, even, like it's even too early to call positions of need. I feel like for this season. Um, Cause Hey, I mean, we don't know which 21 guys might see the field, which guys are going right. to step up from within the program. I mean, we saw Jamal Hill do it at the end of the year last season. So um, maybe he kind of holds down that starting spot and becomes a stud. Like we, we don't really know. Um, right. Yeah. It's a different team. And again, we're, we're judging our areas of need off of half a season right now. Right. I think that's something we really have to keep in mind um, over the course of just this entire off season is like, we can't, I mean, and this relates to the shuck thing too. It's like, we really can't make like, okay. If a guy, if a guy on your team uh, in a full normal season gets injured halfway through it. I mean, you're going to give him all the excuse in the world of like, Oh, he missed half the season. Like we don't, you know, he, Oh, he might, he looked pretty good in that first half of the season, but you know, maybe he really could have come into his own in the second half. Like we would make that kind of excuse for somebody. Right. So why are we not giving that same energy towards the guys who just did come back last year and who did like actually play for six or seven, seven games? Like, I mean, it, it just seems, I mean, that it's a kind of disconnect sometimes. But overall, I mean, uh, we're not that insane of a fan base. Like, we, you know, <laughs> pretty, pretty reasonable people for the most part, I would like to think. So, yeah. Um, speaking of things we don't know, uh, <laughs> we also don't know uh, really about the defensive back coach. Uh, I know people ask about that. We, we really don't know anything more than any of you on that front. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want hot names, just you know, go to the go to the relevant sites, and they'll. I mean, any names we we'll give you are just going to be like repeated from there. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, it you know, I mean, this is everyone kind of knows it at this point. You know, the search kind of was a little bit of limited uh, options, um, or kind of there were some options that first emerged and then. Those didn't really work out. And now I think Alabama has a spot open, that DB coach. Um, so they kind of probably even get first pick. Um, and so Mario's just kind of sorting through that, trying to find, like, who's the guy, who the guy is. You know, for me, I, I mean, in my mind, it's like I'm thinking 
of all the people in this country who know about football, there has to be one who would be excited and qualified to take a <laughs> job at Oregon. Um, so I think that, I, and I know that no one is going to try harder to find that person than Mario Cristobal will. So I feel good about it eventually working out, but it's not like I'm, it's not like we're ready to say like, oh, this guy's going to be announced in three days. Like that's, that doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but this, this is probably a type of thing that could really break at any moment. We kind of won't know. And then it, we'll find the guy and then Chris Wall will do some covert interview with him and then it will like be put out there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know right now, but I, but I'm not, I also want to express, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say, this is on the list of things we don't need to be worried about. Um, yeah, that's really all I have to say about it. Um, sweet. I've crossed off everything on my list. Anything else you want to touch on? No, I think we did a good job. It felt good to get back, um, back in the virtual studio. Yeah. Um, crank one out. That was a quick 69 minutes. <laughs> yeah. That was, I, I kind of thought this would be a shorter episode, but then <laughs> once we get talking about the ducks, it never seems to be. <laughs> yeah, we have to stop ourselves. Um, all right. Yeah. Sweet. If you're listening, thank you very much for doing so. Please leave us a five-star review. Pretty please. And, uh, you will be invited to a slumber party. Once You'll COVID get plenty of gold stars. You won't get gold stars for predicting the starting quarterback, but you yeah. will if you leave us a five-star review. That's correct. I also promise to you, uh, well, never mind. It's COVID. I can't promise anything. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Good night. Uh, and go Ducks. Go Ducks.